Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is joined by Melissa Daniels, and she chats with us about what it's been like running Cowtrack Ranch, staging weddings, running an Airbnb, running beef cattle, all while caretaking for her mother and her father. So, hope you enjoy. Also, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook. Tell me the history of this place. So my parents bought this place in 1986. It was a dairy farm starting in 1962. The first barn here was built in 1871. My dad was out here treating a sick cow during it being a dairy and the owner of the property was a good friend and he wanted to get out of the dairy business. So he asked my dad in the milk barn while treating a cow if he wanted to buy the ranch. And my dad, you know, try to convince him to keep in the family and he didn't want to do that. So they shook hands and made a deal and that was that. And did your dad want to keep it dairy and cow? So my dad always had beef cattle. So he purchased the ranch, started the beef operation, was a veterinarian for 56 years, treating horses and cattle. Okay. And my mom ended up growing certified organic produce. She had five acres planted and over a hundred varieties of produce and fruit. So my dad ended up building her a very small greenhouse out of all recycled materials and all windows. And she grew starts there. So she had all her vegetable seeds and that's kind of how she started. And then they converted part of the hay barn into a larger greenhouse. So it was a part of the barn where the cows came in and ate. And how old were you when you moved here? I was two. You were two years old. So you pretty much grew up here. Yep, swimming in the water troughs, drinking out of the hoses, (laughs) riding motorcycles, riding ponies. You know, it was just like kind of the life, but it's interesting because I went to town for school and I was always envious of the town kids, that they had their friends that lived in the neighborhood they could walk to and they could just go to the store at any given time. And here I was out here in a remote area, but I had a lot of friends that came out and visited and a lot of good memories were made. Yeah. Did you go to Petaluma? I went to St. Rita's in Fairfax. Oh, Fairfax. So you went that way, not that way. Mm-hmm. And then for high school, I went to Drake in San Anselmo for two years and then to Mollis cool. my last two years. Yeah. So you stayed in Marin, essentially. You didn't go to Sonoma County. Right. So tell me more about your dad's veterinarian life and if you were ever a part of that growing up. Yeah. So my dad worked a lot of hours. He was on call 24-7. He would leave in the middle of the night to go work on a calving case or a horse that was colicking or emergency surgeries. It was a lot. There were a lot of nights where my mom would make dinner and my dad had to leave or my dad wasn't home for dinner. And a lot of sports games I'd go to and my dad couldn't make it because he was working. I think I got his work ethic, definitely. So I worked for him in high school. While I was in college, I worked for him. I do all the vaccination clinics at the big barns and go on calls with him and worked in the office. And it was quite the experience. And you were mostly like vet teching, essentially. Did you do like the behind the scenes paperwork and stuff for him too? I did a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad always said, if you ever want to have a life, promise me you'll never become a veterinarian. Uh-huh. Did you ever never... want to? I, you know, I didn't. I saw the hard work and then I saw all the challenges and maybe because I grew up around it, I was just kind of not my thing. Yeah. I, I love animals, but I never wanted to pursue that. How long were you doing that for him? And when did that kind of stop? Through high school and college. So probably 
age 16 to 21. Are there any experiences where you went out with him that really stick out to you, negative or positive? I saw a lot of interesting things, you know, doing autopsies on cows and surgeries on horses. I think I remember one time when I was younger, there was a horse that had a log stuck through the side of its face. And my dad did extensive surgery and this horse recovered perfectly. So there were there were some occasions like that. There was also a dog that got bit by a shark. My dad started his practice with small animals, so he originally started at Bear Valley mm. in the 70s, and then he bought a practice in Point Reyes, and he had a partner there as well, so he was small animal and large animal, and then he decided to just do large animal, so he got out of the small animal. But there was a dog that got bit by a shark, and I don't know how that dog survived, but surgery after surgery, he got that dog back up to speed. Tell me more about your mom's journey with her growing. Yeah, so my mom started her career in horses. She's a horse trainer. She was also working with polo horses, so she would warm up the polo horses. She moved to San Antonio, Texas, and pursued that for quite a few years, then moved back and continued training out in Point Reyes. She got into the produce when I was in high school. I don't remember exactly how she got into it, but she went all in. She was buying organic seeds and trying different varieties and she was coming up with her own varieties of produce. She had like 13 different lettuces that she grew and she would do these hybrid plants. It was really cool. She really had a green thumb. She sold to restaurants, catering companies. She sold to some folks that sold at the farmers markets, food banks, pretty much everywhere. She was in Martha Stewart magazine for some of her lettuce and really took off. And she she did that for a long time. She also had a lot of interns that would come out. So these are, you know, college, high school kids that want to learn more about farming. And veterans came out, troubled youth came out. She had all these groups and she really took pride in bringing them out to the ranch and letting them work with their hands. And it really made an impact, I think. And tell me about your college experience. You said you went to college. So I always wanted to work in construction. Since I was a little kid, my mom used to say that I would write letters to the county about how they need to fix the potholes. That's amazing. (laughs) And I always wanted to do construction. And I ended up, I was on the fence with fashion and construction, two completely different things, right? So I ended up going to college in San Francisco. I went to the Fashion Institute and I majored in visual communications. My passion was really styling. I wanted to be a stylist for Vogue. I wanted to design all the photo shoots and just stage, you know, magazine shoots. More like not the person in the shoot, but the... The setting. The set, yeah. The setting, the clothes, all that. So I've always had a creative eye and I went to college for that and then I also did some interior design so very passionate about home decorating and things like that so after college I realized I'm gonna have to move to New York or LA and I'm not a city girl I love the city but I'm a ranch girl so I got a job in construction I had no experience somebody had retired as an estimator so I was working for Gelati Brothers in San Rafael And Mario Gelati was in his 80s, and he opened the door to an office, and he said, this is your office, here's a set of plans, the job bids tomorrow. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I learned how to do estimating for heavy highway construction, and then I ended up being a bid contract manager there. 
So I would prepare all the proposals and I did that for 11 years. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Did you, so it sounds like you enjoyed it if you stayed that long. I loved it. Yeah. I love the adrenaline rush of closing out hundred million dollar Caltrans projects. It was really exciting. Yeah. And such a learning experience too. Why did you end up leaving that job and what did you take on afterwards? So I was getting bored doing the same thing every day as much as it was exciting. And I wanted a challenge. I always want a challenge with my work. So I ended up getting a job also in construction on the Presidio Parkway project. So it was right off the Golden Gate Bridge, building the tunnels and all new roads. And I worked there for two years. I met some of my closest friends there. It was a really fun chapter in my life. Allowed me to be in the city and kind of have a new venture. And then after that, I hit the job market hard. You know, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do next in my next chapter. And rather than what do I want to do, who do I want to work for? So I was pinpointing all these companies. I was interviewing. I went on probably 60 interviews in one year. And I ended up wanting to work in healthcare. So I interviewed and got the job with Kaiser. And I've been there for eight years. And was there something specific that influenced that decision? I wanted something that was more rewarding. So for me, I manage all of the medical equipment and furniture for new buildings, expansions, renovations. And for me to work all these hours and making a building come together and then going there to an appointment and sitting in an exam room and everything that's in that room is something that you were a part of. I think it's really rewarding. Yeah, so, it gives joy to the people that have to be in there. Yeah, and also seeing a building open and patients going in, and it's a different experience. I love the flexibility. I love the challenges. I love the people. I love going to different areas. So my territory is three counties. So I'm at you know three different hospitals, 32 medical buildings, oh, wow. offices. So I have the ability to go to any different facility. I make my own schedule. I just really enjoy the people the most. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me more about this ranch, what it's called, how it got its name, and kind of the evolution of all of that. So it's Cowtrack Ranch. A lot of people are like, what is that? <laughs> how do you spell that? My parents named it that because of the cow hoof prints in the ground. And tell me about the evolution. So when you guys came here, it was a working ranch, but you didn't have kind of what you do now. Tell me about that. Yeah, so when we moved here, we lived in a trailer. It was some rough winters. I mean, we felt like the trailer was going to fly away. The windows leaked. There were mice. I mean, it was it was not beautiful. But at the end of the day, my parents were always, you know, blessed to have this property. And that's what that's what they cared about the most. So as time went on, my parents just built everything up. My dad was really handy. He was a carpenter and he built everything with his own hands. So all the houses were renovated and the tractor barn was converted into my house and the footprint essentially is the same, but it's just modified. So it has a lot of character. All of the materials within the property are all mostly recycled as far as the houses. Every kind of piece has a story. The railing in the bunkhouse came out of George Lucas's house. So my dad was a veterinarian over at Skywalker and he was renovating and my dad took the material. So it's 
kind of interesting that every piece has a story. Were there really no livable spaces here, which is why you guys were in a trailer? So the house down below was built probably in the 20s. And that was the house where the working men lived for the dairy originally. And so that house is the only original house on the property. The original farmhouse that was here was a two-story white wraparound porch house that's in the same location where the main house is. So the story with that was that the original owners of this property, they separated the ranch for the siblings. So they split the ranch into two and they saw the main house in half and then they rolled half of it on logs. Oh my God. Down Hallett Creek. So that house <laughs> is still there. That would be wild to watch <laughs> that, that happen. That and is, that it successfully got there. That is the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So the other half, I don't know what happened, if it burned down or whatnot, but there was always a trailer or manufactured home in its place. Now you're offering Airbnb and you're offering weddings and that sort of thing. So how did that come about? Airbnb, we started in 2011 and I was at a dinner party through work and the person who was hosting dinner had to excuse themselves from the table and they had to take a reservation. So of course I'm, you know, inquiring minds want to know like, what's your reservation for? And so I learned at that point what Airbnb was. So I was on my way to Tahoe with a friend. I had my feet on the dash. I had some photos of the house and I created a listing. And then all of a sudden it was reservation after reservation was coming in and I didn't really know what to do with it. Right. And so it just took off from there. It's been very busy. I'm sure, and especially in summers probably, too, where city people want to get away a little bit. Yeah, I don't know that there are any seasons that are busier than others. Winter, it's, it's every weekend. Summer, yeah, almost every day. It's consistent. Yeah, that's awesome. And with the weddings, tell me about that. So the weddings started where we had some guests staying at the bunkhouse, and they worked for a blog called Green Wedding Shoes. And at that time, barn weddings were really up and coming. So the ladies were trying to convince my mom that we should have weddings and they wanted to see the barn. So we ended up clearing out the old boats and whatnot that my dad had in the barn. And then not long after I had gotten engaged and so I was planning my barn wedding. So it started kind of a combination of the two occurrences. You told me a little bit before, but you offer some other things that you make. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so we have a whole line of artisan soaps, garden soaps. There's rosemary, lavender, peach, lemon, honey, almond. And then I make rosemary sea salt for cooking, lavender sea salt for cooking. I have a beekeeper, so I have honey available for sale. And then also free range eggs and then some merchandise, charcuterie boards, hats, things like that. Have you always felt like you have, you've talked about how your, your dad's kind of like drive is in you, but also that entrepreneurship is also in you and that you're obviously very creative. Yeah. So when I was a kid, my mom sold her products at all these different stores, which I'm carrying the tradition as well. And when I was a kid, I used to go with her to do the merchandising and I would find myself rearranging shelves in stores. Like I really had that eye for recreating a space for retail products. And that's kind of how my side of things started. And I started my first business in 
2008 and that was wedding staging staging and styling and also day of coordinating and that business was called plum couture events okay and you don't do that at all anymore other than at your own place i do that just here primarily that's awesome so tell me about your journey with your parents in the last couple of years so my mom passed away august of 2018 and my mom had cancer Hmm. she had a long battle was five and a half years and she still maintained her business. She was out in the garden. It was not, it was not easy, uh, but that kept her going. And so I helped take care of her. And then when my mom passed, I took over her soaps business and salts. And that was kind of my promise to her is to continue her legacy in that way. And then my dad had a stroke three days before my mom passed away. So my mom had broken her hip. She was in hospice. I was trying to get her, you know, moved and my dad came in from feeding the cows and he was talking to me and he was slurring his words. So I called and he went in and he was there for a couple days and... Did you know right away that it was a stroke? I knew right away. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had to kind of compartmentalize things. I was taking care of my mom. I knew that my dad was being well taken care of and I had to just focus on that. It was, I was by myself. It was not an easy, not an easy thing to endure. And you don't have siblings? No. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's a lot all at once. It was, it was different. You know, my mom was my best friend. My mom and I were in business together. She was, you know, the reason behind all this. So I was forced into a whole new chapter with my dad. So my dad ended up with vascular dementia. Because of the stroke, he developed dementia. So his memory loss was an issue. It continued to be a really big challenge. I was caretaking for my dad while working full time, while running the ranch, while running the B&B, while staging weddings and managing all the cows. So I slept maybe two hours a night and I refused to put my dad in any home. I had to keep him home and I made sure that we rode our horses every day. And there were days where he didn't want to ride and I would saddle his horse and I'd say, your horse is out there waiting for you. And I got him out there. No matter where his memory was, we, we got out there and went places and went to rodeos, we went to concerts, we went out to lunch, we, you know, all of it. So I made sure to make the most out of his last years. And he passed away last year at 84. It was, it was hard. I lost a lot of friends during that process. I think I saw a lot of true colors of people. You know, when you're in this taking care of your family and running a business and working and all these different requirements of you and responsibilities and you're trying to be social, but you can't because your responsibilities take precedence and people don't understand that. It's definitely something I learned that, you know, I was called selfish. I was told that I was spoiled. I mean, I was just, I went through a really hard time with a lot of different friends and friends that are no longer and some that are and it made me see life completely differently after that. For sure, yeah. The hardest moments of our lives, we recognize who's really there and who is just there for the the happy moments. And do you do, since both of them passing, do you do any sort of self-care for yourself or like take a pause or go on vacations or anything like that? I would love a vacation. The only vacations are my twice yearly business trips. I serve as a member of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, which is through the USDA. 
a voluntary program and it's a three-year term currently hoping to extend to six years and those little trips are my only vacation i think my self-care is horseback riding mm. and how often do you do that i try to ride every day okay if i can and sometimes it's me trailering out i like to trailer out to the beach I trailer out to some arenas that i ride in and that's really my time to reflect and my quiet time also checking my cows going out on the quad with my hay and sitting there with my cows is just kind of my peaceful time yeah and tell me more about because i know nothing about the ranch life and the beef life and all of that so tell me kind of a little bit about that and how it all works so i currently run about a hundred head of black angus cattle and i have a cow calf operation so my cows are bred in the fall. I turn my bulls out with the cows November 15th. And hopefully by that time everyone's pregnant by May and then the bulls get separated and then the cows calve out usually August, September, October. And then they raise their calves for a full year. And then I wean my calves and I sell my calves to the auction. This is something that's been in the family. This is what you guys were doing since you moved here? My dad always had beef cattle. Mm -hmm. So before the ranch, my dad leased some property where we had cows. So I grew up going out to Marshall and there's pictures of me in a front pack on a horse with my dad and the lariat rope with the Herefords. He had Herefords at the time. Yeah, and then also I grew up kind of in a tack trunk at horse shows. You know, I was just kind of a mobile, a mobile kid. Yeah, <laughs> you lived the life with your parents instead of them changing everything for exactly you. and yeah. i wish that's something that people could see today too mm -hmm. raising kids is make them a part of it and let them experience don't let it change your life yeah and you've never done dairy i have not i dated a dairyman for four years and raising calves i don't know how to describe it but you don't have a day off it's you're feeding calves morning and night you have to be home seven days a week it's a lot more demanding than beef cows yeah. Yeah, I feel like with the beef cows, you check your cows, you feed your cows, you treat your cows if they need, you know, taken care of. Animal husbandry, I learned all from my dad. So I perform all my own vaccinations, castrations, minor surgeries if needed, and pretty much all the maintenance. So twice a year, I have my group of friends that comes out, and we go on the horses on a Friday, get all the cows in, and then Saturday we do our roundup, and take care of all the cows and do the brandings in the spring and then we have a big barbecue after so it's fun it's it's work but it's fun yeah, it's almost like a, vaca a staycation right <laughs> it's a little different and my day. cow my cows really are my passion Th those cows are, are my everything so yeah do you name them I have one cow with a name which is a very special story her name is Violet she was born to an older cow when my dad was still around and the cow had broken her hip so she was a down cow my dad refused to put her down so it was like in the middle of winter with this cow and we're taking care of her every day and feeding her and the calf was still nursing it was it was not easy she was literally just broken on the ground she could not get up Right. right. Yeah. So at that point, it's not a, a humane thing to keep an animal in that condition. So I called one of my dad's veterinarian friends and he was nice enough to come out and put the cow down for us. And I bottle raised that calf. It wasn't long after my mom had passed away that this happened. 
And I bottle raised her. I named her Violet. My mom used to have a black baldy cow named Violet that she used to ride out in the Point Reyes Western <laughs> Weekend Parade. And Amazing. she rode that cow with a snaffle bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. And so I named her after, after her. And she's now almost four years old. And then her first calf actually had quite the story. Her first calf barely survived, so she neglected her calf. A lot of times when you bottle raise a cow, they are not as motherly. So that cow raises that calf, right? So when you're bottle feeding a calf, it doesn't learn those maternal instincts. And so in turn, when it has a calf, it doesn't know those basic skills. So her first calf, she neglected, and then she got mastitis. So I had to have the vet treat her for that. And what is that? Essentially, so one of the quarters in her udder, it gets an infection. Mm. So the milk, it may not come out, but it's also just not good milk. It's like fermenting in the body. Right. So here I was bottle raising another calf. And that little calf, I, I went out there one morning and she was just not doing good. Tiny little thing. And her eyes were kind of sucked in and her nose was dry and cold. And I knew this calf you know, wasn't going to survive if I didn't do something about it. I gave her electrolytes. I treated her at home for a day and a half and then I took her to the vet and the vet said, you know, there's like very slim chance this calf's going to make it. And I thought, well, I've had beef cattle. Beef cattle are tough. This calf's going to make it. He called me on Monday morning and he's like, you're not going to believe this. This calf is perked up. She's ready to go (laughs) home. So I went, (laughs) I went and picked her up and brought her home. I put her in the stall and had heat lamps on her and at this time I had just bought two Great Pyrenees puppies to do livestock protection Mm -hmm. and it was a perfect opportunity for the dogs to bond with that calf so the dogs at night would stay with the calf every day I would put the halter on that calf and I would lead her down to the corral and I'd put her with her mom for the day Mm -hmm. and so that cow and calf still had that strong bond and then before I knew it, she was ready to be turned out and the cow and calf trotted off with the rest of the herd and I gave her, her ear tag number was 143. Mm, that's cute. Yeah, she's special. Yeah. Are there any other pivotal moments that you can think of that you would like to talk about? The main thing is the life experiences that have really shaped me. It's going through such traumatic experiences with your family also being young and having to give up this whole social fun life in town and moving out to a rural area and just your whole life changes and your whole outlook on life is different when you've been caretaking for people that you love and you know gone through friendship breakups and you know relationship breakups I think for me, it made dating really difficult, very difficult, challenging, just trying to find somebody that can keep up and somebody that is on the same page and has the same goals in mind and the same passions. And it's, it's hard. So, yeah. Well, and you know, especially while caretaking for both your parents, like whoever your partner is, doesn't get to come first. Right. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. Because in relationships, they want to come first. <laughs> I think it's hard with the whole ranch thing, too. It's it's just finding that person that fits in and is able to have that same passion and share that. And for me, fortunately, I was able to grow up with such iconic parents and 
just I always admire their relationship and their working relationship you know my parents did the ranch together my dad did his veterinary work and then my mom had her produce and her line of products so they had their own lives and they had this together and I think that was really special so I mean in the future I'd like to find the same yeah and how proud they would be have you thought about this how proud they would be of what you're doing here yeah yeah they you know and it's interesting too because at my mom's memorial, I had certain people come up to me and say, you're going to run this place into the ground. You don't know what you're doing. At the funeral? Mm-hmm. Gross. And I'm just so not the type of person that I, do. I don't take comments to heart. I think because of my experience, I'm. this is me. This is what I do. Nobody will get in my way. I will not allow negative energy into my life. Yeah. I've just, my boundaries have been so much tighter since I've had all these experiences. So tell me, tell me about your current chapter. Right now, I'm exactly where I want to be. Mm. I've worked really hard to get to this point. My bed and breakfast houses are really busy. I have the greatest horses. I'm so blessed to have the best horses that I could ever imagine. And I'm able to get out and go trail riding with girlfriends. I've met some really great people in the last couple years and developed some really great friendships. And I think the next chapter I'm looking at is raising a family. So I, I kind of, you know, by 40, if I haven't met somebody, I'm going to just continue that journey and turn the page and start my family. That's cool. Just to know, like you just know that. Yeah. That's awesome. And is there anything on the ranch that you would like to expand on in terms of maybe building another bunkhouse one day or anything like that? So I think the way everything is set up right now, it's just exactly what I would want. I'm always working on projects. I mean, walking around here during the day, you see every time you walk by something, oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to fix that. Oh, I need to modify that. There's always something. So I think my main project in the next couple years is going to just be to continue to improve the water system. With the drought, it's been a really big challenge for me with the cattle and with the houses. So just putting more pipes in and putting more troughs in and storage tanks. And I've done a lot of work on that the last year. Last summer, I kind of really spent a couple months installing new systems and I've learned a lot about plumbing and yeah. uh, kind of like hands-on you know if you live out here you need to know how to fix things you need to know how to build things you need to have the right resources the materials the people that's awesome that you feel like you're right where you need to be and where you're supposed to be I think it's a rare feeling for people <laughs> yeah yeah and I always feel like you know if anybody feels like they're not where they're supposed to be or they're feeling that they're hard on themselves because they had set a goal and they're not there yet, redirect yourself. You know, if, if you're not exactly where you want to be, try something different and don't spend too much time fighting it. You know, if it's not working, just redirect, just try something new, learn something new, meet new people, network. I think that was the one thing I was blessed with learning from my mom is she would start a business and if it didn't take off, she would start something new and she always had ideas so your wheels always have to be turning you can't get stuck you have to just turn that page yeah. and that might even mean relationships yeah you know don't waste too much time because life is short yeah and 
I think for a lot of people, fear comes in the way. They don't want to start that project or do this thing because they're scared of it not working. But if it doesn't work, move on to the next thing. Like, And I think, too, if it doesn't scare you, it's not right for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, your goal really should be scary. Yeah. If it's not, it, it's not worth it. You know, you have to take risks in order to have gain. Yeah. Have you had, other than your parents, have you had some inspirational people in your life over the years that you want to talk about? My good friend, Orlando Brazil, he's from Portugal. He came into my life when I was taking care of my dad, and he has just been such an inspiration for me for the cows. He's kind of like a second dad. He's always been there for me to help out. He's taught me a lot about the cows. And if I need anything, I call him. He's always there. He's just a really special individual. And it's interesting how you meet people in life too. And when you meet them. So for me, I meet a lot of people through things like selling a saddle, for instance. (laughs) For me, I noticed too, if you put it out in the universe, it will come. So if you have an idea or there's something that you want or need or you need help and you just put it out there and you just back off and you'll think about it, you just kind of put it out there and wait, it'll come. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people lose that patience with that. And if you know what you want, just be patient a little bit. Yeah. When and if that thing is supposed to come to you, it will at the time it's meant to. Yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't come, it's not for you. No. Yeah, I think that's a hard pill to swallow when people have expectation. I think that's the biggest thing, too, is when people want this thing, they want it right now, they don't see how to not have it, and then if that doesn't come, they're like, well. (laughs) Yeah, and for me, it's interesting because the first year after losing my mom, I got all these signs. You know, I'm a pretty spiritual person. And I remember when I bought my horse after my mom passed away, I, you know, bought this expensive horse. I've never bought a horse in my life. I always got horses from my dad's clients and whatnot or free horses. And here I am going to look at this fancy show horse. I remember writing that check for that horse and I was kind of shaky. I was like, it's a lot, lot to spend, you know? And I had just sold a load of calves and I go down to the post office to get the check, hoping the check's there. And I opened that envelope and that check was written the exact amount as that horse cost. (laughs) Plus a penny. Oh, wow. And I thought, if she's not looking out, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's no coincidences. And I feel like my mom's always there backing me up. She may not be here, but she's always looking out. And it's happened quite a few times. Damn. And sometimes I sit and, you know, there's, there's some seasons here right where it's hard it's expensive you know you might be hauling water in for your cows and you know or big expenses for repairs and you get a little down on yourself and you get worried you know financially and being self-employed is just that and then you just sit on it and you kind of think all right I'm gonna leave this to God and see what happens and most of the time things will come through And it's when you least expect it. It's just sitting back and just accepting where you are. And then all of a sudden that page turns. And the level of excitement when that happens can't even be described. You know, I mean, for me, like recently I was trying to find a caretaker for the ranch and 
I had sold this saddle on Facebook and met this great girl, horse girl, and she's had experience living on a ranch and I just put it out there. I said, hey, I'm looking for somebody to help out, you know, as needed. And she looked at me and she said, I would love that. <laughs> and it's things like that, that like, it just comes to you. And it's pretty amazing if, yeah. you, if you let it, if yeah. you be open to it. And manifesting is an amazing thing. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And finding quiet time too. I mean, you really need to get out there and find time to just sit and be. And if you can't be alone, then what, what do you have? Yeah. You need to sit within yourself. And ideas come at that time too. Yeah. You know? Definitely. How do people get a hold of you if they want to stay in one of the houses or if they're curious about a tour or about your products that you sell, any of that? So I just created a new website. It's cowtrackranch.com. And on there, there are two links to the houses, the bunkhouse and the guest house. And people can reserve on Airbnb or they can book direct. So check the calendar. Let me know when you want to stay. Send me a text. Give me a call. Send me an email and I'll block it out for you. I do welcome families. I love having kids out here showing the kids around. They can collect eggs and feed treats to the horses and the dogs and I love making it a full farm stay experience for my guests. Yeah, and then are the products on there as well? Products are in retail stores, so I do have a list of those on my website. I also have my products available in the houses. I have a little retail corner where people can stay and buy products while they're here. I also ship products, so if there's something that somebody wants, I can send it in the mail. I also can leave them in my mailbox for people to pick up, so different options. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, let's go into the question. So what is something you want to see evolve or change within the community? And then how can you, if you're not already, help with that change? I would really like to see more opportunity for kids to get out there and experience agriculture. I think schools having field trips to ranches and farms would be really important. I did that as a kid. It's memorable experiences that you know you don't always get. So I think just educating the next generation on where their food comes from, that's a really big one. And with like programs like 4-H and that sort of thing is kind of also an option. And that too, you know, showing animals at the fair, I think more leadership for kids that might be in cities and not have the opportunity and tying that all together with people that do have the, the experience and the property and the animals and, and allowing more opportunities for those kids that might not have it. Yeah. And so lastly, what I do at the end is you get to ask me one question. So how did you get to where you are? How did you decide that this is what you wanted to do and what do you love most about it? Oh, that's a big question. So I guess I'll mostly just talk about the podcast, but I went to school for psychology. You know, we have stints in life. I wanted to be an interior designer. I wanted to work at a drug and alcohol rehab. I wanted just different things. And Later in life, after college, I was like very much contemplating being a therapist, but I didn't have the money, not a school person. I really like don't enjoy school. And so I just kind of was floundering in life a little bit. And then I found recently within the past four years, something to actually make a decent amount of money enough for me in my life. And then I was at kind of a standstill with that thing not really 
like inspiring me. I enjoyed what I was doing, but I wanted something more. And I enjoy listening to podcasts and I enjoy chatting with people and all the things. And so randomly on my way down to Briones to work at a barn, I had this idea that I was gonna interview people, record people, chat with people and talk to, she has an episode, but Christy Onoda, who became a good friend of mine, but I was going down to work at her barn and I posed this idea. I was like, what do you think about this idea of just like recording with everybody, hunter jumpers, ranch people, vets, farriers, whatever. Cause I have, I know a lot of random people. And she was like, I would listen, like that's awesome. And I was like, okay, like this is cool. And so found a friend that was a sound engineer and chatted with him about like what to, I know nothing. I'm not a good technology person. Like, and so <laughs> asked him what mic to get, asked him how to use GarageBand or what I should use, what apps to use, all of that. And then it just kind of has been unfolding. I started recording people in October of 2021, you know, it, with plans of releasing in January of 2022. And then since then, every Monday morning, there's a new episode. And every last Friday of the month, there's an extra episode because I started just accumulating so many episodes that I just needed to put them out and share people's stories. And I think the hardest thing about this podcast, you know, I do the editing, I do the recording, I do the promoting, I do all the things for it. And the hardest part is choosing who goes when because everybody's story is so fun. And there's so many aspects to this podcast. So not only is it fun for me to go and like, see this ranch, like I've been wanting to see this place, but I get to also record with you or like just the experiences I've gotten out of recording with people, but also when that person's episode comes out, the like happiness they get, because maybe you're, when the episode comes out, your life might've changed because it might be a few months, but I, it's like a time capsule. So like in this moment, while we're recording, there's a little time capsule, 40 minute hour long time capsule that you get to like share with people. So that's kind of like a fun, fun, another added fun part of it. So this is definitely a passion project. And then also the aspect of traveling and recording. So this year I've done a few, like I traveled to Canada and recorded with a few people. I'm planning on going to Arizona and recording with a few different people. I just sort of doing fun vacation travel trips, but then also incorporating this is just really cool to do. So, That's so cool. Yeah, it's been it's been fun and there's just so many aspects of it that are I really... I love listening to the episodes. Yeah. Just the diversity <laughs> of the people and... Yeah, I think that's... That's all, I mean, every part of it is really fun for me, but yeah, like recording with this hunter jumper that's been traveling around the world and then recording with a friend of mine who isn't a professional in the world, but has been around horses all her life. And like just the wide range of experiences and we all have such cool stories. And it's funny, I'll like reach out to a random friend of mine who again, hardly has any horse experience but has horses and maybe maybe has their own horse but has only had it a few years but has a really interesting story and I'll ask them like hey can do you want to record with me and they're like no I'm kind of boring I have nothing to talk about and then I'll record with them and there's like this huge thing that they're talking about and all of us no matter what kind of life you've had there's traumas and there's inspirations and there's just huge pivotal moments that are huge we just get caught up in not really recognizing them in the moment I guess 
but yeah. But I yeah. realized I didn't talk about the horses. Do you want to? I should probably because everyone has a story. Yeah, go with it. So every horse that I've owned has had a story. The first horse I bought after my mom passed away came to me and had the same birthday as my mom. And then the sale price. Did you know that going into it? I did not. Oh my God, how interesting. And then of course, selling my cows that paid for the horse to a T. And then another horse after a breakup, that was a young horse. I wasn't even in the market to buy another horse. I rode her, as it turns out, I was her 17th ride. And she's been the best horse I've ever had for gathering cattle, checking cattle, trail riding, I've taken her to the beach. And then the horse that I got most recently probably has the most special story. I had a horse with my mom for years and years that we got out of a ranch in Nevada. His name was Jess. He was a buckskin, just a solid horse. I roped a bull off the side hill in the rain one day. I mean, this horse was just a cowboy horse. And a girl on my Facebook had posted on her story just a quick walk around video of a horse in a stall. And I messaged her and I said, I have to have this horse. He looked exactly like that horse we had. Hmm. So she said, you know what? He's been sitting six months. I don't know, I, I need to put some work into him. I said, don't even worry about it. I'm gonna come look at him. I went to look at him. She rode him around. I said, I'll take him. And she said, well, don't you wanna ride him? So, okay, fine, I'll ride him. But that horse is so similar to that horse that we had years ago that was a really it was the best horse we ever had and here this horse is the same personality the same confirmation moves the same and I roped calves off of him already and he's just an old soul just a really special horse so I feel like horses come to you you don't look for horses they come to you the right ones yeah well and, and even if you're looking the right ones are gonna work whether it's a vet check that makes it not work or work or you know the price comes down or whatever. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of horses in the world and there's few that are your heart horse. Mm -hmm. And so if you find that horse, it's you're, you're blessed. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, cool, thank you for chatting with me. <laughs>